Welcome to the VIP Show Podcast. This is Jose Aristimuño, bringing you the biggest names in the game of business, entrepreneurship, and life to help you level up, get inspired, and become the most successful you. You already know the VIP Show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the VIP Show with your host, Jose Aristimuño. Guys, am I excited about my next guest? You know, it's crazy to me, number one, that it's 2024, and then we're already almost going into March. I mean, this is crazy. The Q1, it's almost done. So I always tell folks, uh, get inspired, you know, get informed, and then also, most importantly, take action. Our next guest is an amazing um, entrepreneur. She's an immigrant, none other than Dr. Huma Kamar. She's on the show with us. Dr. Huma, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Jose. It's such an absolute honor uh, and love to hear your voice and your energy. Uh, great to see you. Thank you. Likewise. Um, so super happy to have you on the show. There's a lot that I want to talk to you about. We're going to talk about your story. I want to know how you came to America. Folks, listen to this. She came to America with $100 in her pocket. She got a whole ride to Yale University, folks, um, all the way from Pakistan. So talk about the American dream. Dr. Huma Kamar is a, an amazing representation of what that is. But before we talk about all of that, I actually have a question that I love to ask all my guests. Before we talk about science, before we talk about AI and all the cool things that we're going to talk about. And my question is this. Who was Dr. Huma Kamar, the little girl uh, growing up? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, when I was a little girl, I was always the leader of the house. So I always liked to lead, always wanted to create a difference. I was very caring. And um, since my childhood, I've always wanted to do something which is not ordinary, but extraordinary. Uh, I think um, even when I was a kid, I kind of like was sensitive to the needs of other humans and uh, kind of like, okay, you know, I have to be on the medicinal side. And I always wanted to be a physician, always wanted to be a doctor. Um, the cool story is, I don't know if you know the story of Togo, uh, the dog that actually created a difference and he always was a leader. So I think I I had that um I would say salient point in my personality that I always want to lead, always want to lead the crowd, always want to create a difference. So I think that's who I was. I was, um, and and one fun fact about me was I was a big fan of Michael Jackson. Okay. And I always wanted to be a doctor and always wanted to go to United States of America one day. Well, you accomplished, you accomplished both. You you wanted to be a doctor. You're, you're an amazing doctor. You wanted to come to America. Um, now let me ask you this: If you're a, if you're a, a a Michael Jackson fan, do you know how to moonwalk? I wish, but I tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried. So yes, that is amazing. I think one of the things um, that he has taught us is that you know uh, music has no boundaries, and I think mm -hmm. that's what um, U.S. brought me, where we have like all the cultures together, all the people uh, living together, and I think it's it's just um, one of the best decisions uh, that I've made in my life and my career. To yeah, be no, here. That, that's amazing and so inspiring. So let, let's begin there because I think one of the issues and one of the challenges that people face uh, when they're trying to accomplish a dream is their self-limiting beliefs, right? That they play in their own heads and they put their own reasons of why they can't do something, right? Uh, and many people who actually live in America, who, you know, have all the opportunities and sometimes they're either taken from granted or maybe they just don't take it for granted or they're just scared, intimidated to even try. Here is a girl from Pakistan all the way across the world 
with $100 to your name and you say you want to be a doctor, not just any doctor, you want to be a doctor in America, one of the top countries in the world, and you end up going to one of the best schools in the country and in the world, Yale University. And not, not to say that you've also been to Harvard and other Ivy League. So what went through your head? Okay, because you got to be almost a little crazy to dream that big. But I, I really say that from in a positive light, right? I mean, what went through your head to say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to accomplish, and I'm going to get it done, and you actually did? Yeah, actually, that's a great question, Jose. I am from the Northwest Frontier Province, which is very extreme north of Pakistan. It's uh, it's a very, con- uh, I would say, disputed territory right near the border of Afghanistan. So you can imagine that I came from that part of the world to all the way here and, you know, talking in English and being that girl that is like ready to conquer the world. So what went through my mind was actually necessity is the mother of invention. That's what they say. So I think my situation was I was my mother was a single parent and I had my younger siblings as an elder um, daughter and like sibling. I had a lot of responsibilities. I had to take care of a lot of things. What came to as a privilege to so many people at that time, I had to like really fight for it. I had to, you know, get things done in a different way. So I think since my childhood, I was very hardworking, very committed, but I know when I set my goal, I am like right like there. And I think that was it, my determination, because I believe hard work is a check that can be cashed anywhere. And that mm-hmm. made me um, that made me like, you know, resilience, persistence, perseverance. I won't say patience. I think I am very vocal about it. Patience is not my virtue, by the okay. way. But I've learned through it. But I think sometimes it's okay to not be patient and sure. take calculated risks. So I took the risks. And uh, here I am. So anybody who has dreams, who wants to achieve things, I think the the earth has a magnetic field. And if you manifest something, if you work mm-hmm. hard, you're going to achieve it. So I think that was the mantra of success for me. Yeah, no, I, I love it. So, so, so powerful. Now, let me ask you this. When you have fallen down or when maybe something didn't go your way. Um, Cause we all have down days and we all have days that we think we, we don't have it in us to accomplish whatever, you know, we were trying to accomplish when you have those days. And there's a lot of people in the podcast that listen to the podcast that might be thinking that. Uh, and sometimes people don't want to admit it. I've messed up. I've lost money. I've made mistakes, but I've become better every single time. Uh, but for you, what do you do? to take those sort of negative situations and turn turn them into a positive. Yes. So there has been like, there have been a lot of instances where I felt like the world has fallen apart. I think I cannot do it. And there um, maybe I'm an outlier in the system. I mean, how I'm going to do it. I think one thing that has uh, really been an inspiration is my mother. And every time, like, you know, I see her that how she raised her four kids when she was 28, she was a single parent. I mean, she is an inspiration to me. But the other thing that is in me is that I somehow believe that, you know, this is the worst that could happen. Uh, I pick up the pieces and think about the positives. I'm always positive, always going to think about the positive things that can be done. So like a strategist or like a solution person who is always looking for solutions, I would actually change my strategy. If there is a plan A, there is B, C, D, E, and F. And F is not fail for me. F is forward. So what I think is that, that, you know, 
okay, this has happened. Maybe it was, it was meant, I mean, it's, I mean, failure is a good teacher actually, because success mm. doesn't teach us anything. Failure actually teaches us a lot of things. That's and right. That's we right. have gone through that. And I don't truly say it's a failure in the long term. It's a, it's a gain. So I think in my, in my life, I have learned from my experiences and I have never repeated the same mistake twice. So um, I think everything that has happened, whether good or bad, uh, I strongly believe that, you know, that happens for a reason. And that has really made me strong to go to the next uh, point in my destination. And, you know, I think I think that is the way to go because mindset is the only way or the positive mindset that would get you going and get you the dreams that, you know, to the reality of the dreams or your destination that you're looking for. Yeah, no, no. So, so, so true. Um, let me, let me ask you, you know, thinking about, you know, thinking about medicine, thinking about cancer, which is one of the, you know, the most obviously prevalent diseases in, in the modern world today. Um, my mother, she's, you know, she's, she's a cancer survivor, three-time cancer survivor. So, so, you know, kudos to, to my mother and so many amazing women, uh, and people, you know, who, who've gotten through the disease. So many people, so many people haven't, but, but, but what we want to always but the questions that I always ask myself, and I think with not to get too too political, but obviously the current president Joe Biden, he's got an initiative, the Moonshot uh, Cancer Moonshot Initiative, and he's trying to reduce cancer and and maybe even try to eradicate cancer. There's a lot of obviously political, you know, sort of things that have to happen. You know, Congress needs to, you know, allocate money for research, and many things need to happen before we even get. There. But you, Doctor Huma. Uh, such an incredible, intelligent individual, uh, you being in the field of oncology, the study of, of cancer and how it's diagnosed. Do you see, it's, it's a two-part question, okay? Um, do you see cancer um, getting better, uh, the prognosis of people living with it and stuff like that, number one? Uh, and second, do you see you and I in our lifetime being able to eradicate cancer and see cancer as something of the past? Yeah, great question. So I think I do second you on uh, President Joe Biden's initiative. And I think there has been a lot of uh, public health initiatives that the current government has taken, which is great. So the first question in terms of oncology that, you know, in terms of prognosis and, you know, where we are, what we have done, uh, I think definitely the life expectancy has increased. Uh, the screening programs have increased. Uh, the uh, the primary prevention approach is the main thing to do. Before, like many, many years ago when I was in the med school, everybody was talking about the symptoms and they would come and they would just get treated. Um, now, people are looking more on the prevention or prophylactic side, which means they're doing the primary, primary prevention. And a good example is of Titanic. I mean, Titanic sank not just because there was overconfidence of the captain that this is just a glacier and there is nothing in there, but that's the tip of the iceberg. So now we are looking beyond the tip of iceberg. The prognosis mm -hmm. is getting better. The prophylaxis is getting better. So that's great. That's happening. However, some cancers are getting more, um, I would say th there are different types of cancers now. Sure. Uh, there were common cancers, breast cancer. I think it's, it's great that we have literally like it's a common cancer, but the problem is about the other cancers that are rare cancers. For example, pancreatic. 
pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. Still, we have not in the past, I would say, even when I was in the medical school, last 20 years, I mean, there are some kind of like, you know, um, it's going on, the the treatments are there, but still it has not achieved the mark that we are looking for. Uh, However, for solid tumors, liquid tumors, blood cancer, things are better. Uh, For our current um, lifestyle, I mean, people are now eating healthy and everything. But I think one of the things that we are missing is that we are so many stressors are in the life. We are so much work oriented. I think the family life has just I think that's just nil to none. And I remember that we used to spend time with our grandparents, with our siblings. We used to like, I'm now, I mean, even I'm guilty as charged. I am uh, on a vacation and still I am uh, doing all the calls, like reading all the emails on my phone. So I'm glued to my phone Mm -hmm. and the technology. And, you know, I think that's where we have to draw a line, the healthy lifestyle or anything like that. But in terms of eradication, I oversee research and development. I have been part of the CAR-T program, which is, you know, revolutionary when I was at the University of Pennsylvania, um, another Ivy League institution that I had the privilege. I was a deputy director of the program as well in one of the other institutions. And also I was heading the research investigator sponsored research unit at Fox Chase Cancer Center. So I've been part of all the things that, you know, we have taken the risks and we have come up with it. But in terms of in this lifestyle, uh, eradicating cancer, Yes, it is possible, but it's only possible if our lifestyle is changing. And I think the lifestyle is not changing. In fact, it's getting more and more, um, I would say, materialistic. It's 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 not there. I think the cancer, the word cancer is so traumatic to the patients. It's so, in fact, for me, uh, one time I had to undergo a biopsy and I was traumatized for two weeks just thinking about it, what the results could be. Mm-hmm. And I think the families who go through that, their relatives who are actually part of that, it's it's hard. But I think the problem is among ourselves, is, is the kind of lifestyle we are living. And, you know, um, I know money is important, but I think we do not. I mean, it's the work-life balance. I think sure. that's not there. And that's why people in Spain and Greece and Middle East, and they, they, they I mean, if you look at the statistics as much less as compared to like, you know, the fast-paced, most populous, um, con- you know, countries or like I would say cities in the United States, um, it's it's just really on the horizon. So yeah. hopefully, if we change our lifestyle, I think we would be able to. Or the genetic, sometimes I mean, some of them are familial uh, cases too. But I think sure. that's where I feel the issue is. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you a hundred percent. There's a saying that goes. Uh, I learned it in Spain, by by the way. But uh, they say people in Europe say. In America, people live to work. In Spain and Europe, people work to live, right? They work because they need to live. But over here, we live to work. All we do is work. All we want to do is work. And, and 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 it's very hard because obviously social media and technology is very good in many things because we can do mm-hmm. things like this, but also doesn't allow you to disconnect, right? And you feel, and, and there is sort of like a a guilty trip per se, right? Where, where you feel guilty if you're not connecting, if you're not answering your emails right away, right? And 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 it's crazy. So I I agree with you that that's something that's got to change. Um, switching gears here a little bit, uh, I'm talking about AI and artificial intelligence. I mean, Chat GPT. You can now literally go into different software and websites where you can type. I want a picture of a horse in a pasture like this that looks like Kentucky, and the thing will draw it in just seconds. Or you can literally. Have me. I've, I've I've been seeing this with with many entrepreneurs, uh, people like 
um, Billy, Billy Jean, I saw Billy Jean do it. He was, he was doing an ad, um, in Spanish and it's obviously he doesn't speak Spanish and it's literally an ad for one of his courses. And the whole thing is in Spanish and it's him talking and it's not him. It's his face, his facial expression, but he's talking in another language. So what do you see, uh, in AI and, and, and to add a little drama, as they say, are computers going to take over the world? Are robots going to take over the world? I mean, should government regulate AI to a certain degree? I know there have been talks about that. What's your what's your sort of take in all of this? Yeah, before I get to that, it's a it's a very hot topic. And I would like to mention the quote of my professor, my surgery professor. I was doing uh, pancreatic cancer, um, you know, during uh, my, in, you know, medical school days. Uh, and he told me, and it was a very difficult procedure. It's a Whipple's procedure. It's a very difficult procedure. And I was unable to like, you know, it was so complicated to find all the organs and operate it, operate on it. So my surgery, surgery professor said, Huma, your eyes cannot see what your mind does not know. So I think we are creating all of this because it's human development through the, you know, and the beautiful thing is we humans have like complex minds and, um, if you look at artificial intelligence, it's still artificial. I mean, that's the word that drives it. However, uh, there is a pro, everything has a pros and a con. I personally think in terms of like, because I do work with the clinical research, clinical trial arena, I think it will really reduce the cost for the, you know, pharmaceutical companies, for the biotech companies, for the institutions. I think I've been using it. I think it's incredible. Um, however, it's reducing the number of jobs people have. Uh, people are not going to make you know that much money. People are going to lose the jobs. And and I think the most important thing with artificial intelligence is this that that is the future indeed. And that was I think predicted a long time back. Same thing ten years back I predicted that uh, you know this telehealth is going to be the new cool model. And most of my friends are now the telehealth doctors. Um, it's a good and a bad thing. Nobody can replace the actual physician like physical examination visit sure. by a doctor. Sure. But that has helped in COVID-19. And actually, that was exactly in the pandemic crisis that happened. So for artificial intelligence, I think we have to choose our battles, what is good and versus what's not. I think some of the things that I'm used, I'm I'm really seeing and that that's like scary at this moment is this that, you know, we're replacing humans. And also not only that, some aspects or some fields other than like compliance, I think that should not take over humans. So I think mm -hmm. there is a good mix of both, but I am a pretty pro artificial intelligence um, person. And I think I have some great ideas, which I'm working on and hopefully taking across the borders and across the nations. And I think that would be um, in the new um, upcoming months, I would be disclosing it more. But uh, I think I think uh, artificial intelligence is the next chapter in uh, human history. Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt about it. Um, and, and I think as, as you know, as it goes more to the masses, people start to sort of understand that it's still, folks, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to go into AI first, follow people like Dr. Huma Kamar, who knows very well versed in, in this type of topics. Um, but it's going to be a point that you're going to have to be with it and you're going to have to learn how to do it. Just like social media was like a strange thing to all of us some, like 10 years ago. And now, like, everybody has social media. Does it bother you? Um, like, for example, like me being that I'm in marketing and sales, when I'm talking to somebody, whether it's in direct messages and stuff like that, and I get an instant sort of reply and, and I know that I'm talking to a robot, 
for me, like me, and maybe I'm old school, but it, it bugs me a little bit, right? I'm like, I don't want to talk to a robot. I want to talk to a real freaking person. So, mm -hmm. like, in sales, I know many friends who are using it and, and they love it. I'm, I'm using it and, and I know it's necessary. But again, like, it bugs me when I'm talking to a robot, like, even on the phone, when I call, you know, whatever, you know, sort of, you know, 1-800 number. I'm like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to a, a person. Does it? Does that bug you? Like, as Huma Kamar, the person? Exactly. Exactly. Because I am very much, that's exactly what I was trying to say, that they are replacing the humans. And for example, in sales and marketing, not only that, if I'm calling a, a physician's office, okay, let's mm -hmm. talk about healthcare. There is a robotic thing and, you know, people cannot actually reach out to the, it's so hard to reach out to the actual person. Yeah. Because there are prompt messages, which actually somehow they miss the exact thing that I am looking for in the menu. Mm. And it always happens. So I think that that is where people have to draw the line that, you know, what is artificial in terms of data? I would mm -hmm. love it. I mean, we want to analyze it. We want to talk about it. But where the human side of things are there, because, you know, in sales, marketing and in, in healthcare. There is a face value. It's a face-to-face -face interaction. It's a human element, which you yeah. cannot take away. And that is where your mind, I mean, dis-ease is what? Is dis-ease. So it's complete, uh, you know, well-being of physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that. So I think I do agree with you. And that uh, that actually bothers me a lot as well. Uh, and I think um, people have to really draw a line. What do they want versus what is beneficial? I mean, because we're doing all of this for humans, right? And yeah. we're taking away, you know, the whole thing from humans. Yeah, so, so weird. Think, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's the whole, yeah, I think part of it, um, it contradicts itself. In, 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 in part of it, if you're not careful. Because the thing is, especially with healthcare, I believe the future of healthcare, not only is it tele, you know, telemedical and all that type of stuff that you're saying, which I agree, but also it's personalized healthcare. I think we've come to understand that like your body is different than my body. Some people are allergic to this. So when you talk to a robot at the end of the day, if you don't teach it all the proper prompts, it's gonna it's gonna be stuck, or it's gonna tell you wrong information, which is also very dangerous. So what yeah. happens if you talk to a robot doctor and he's like, "Oh no, take this medicine," and it was the wrong medicine, right? So it, it's just mm -hmm. it's crazy to me. But but I, I, I'm happy that I'm not the only one that thinks you know like I love AI for many many things. So you can automate you know automation is great when it comes to scaling a business or whatever. But there are things that you're like, okay, I just want to talk to a human. I want to talk to a robot, you know? Um, so that that's cool. Tell me about the future, uh, your future. Um, you're amazing. You've accomplished everything that you've ever wanted to accomplish. You work for amazing. You've worked with amazing companies. You're working with Medica's Farm now uh, as your chief uh, scientific officer. Now, what's the future for you? Um, I, you kind of gave me a hint. I know you maybe you can't share with me too, too much, but give me a little teaser. Of, of what's the future yes. for uh, Dr. Huma Kamar? Yeah, well, um, I think sky is the limit and I always like challenges in life. I always want to do something which is out of the norm. It cannot be boring. So I think for me, uh, my next goal would be to, as I have, I was talking before the show started that I've created a lot of jobs for, you know, the foreign MDs and the people that, you know, who want to be in healthcare and I've mentored hundreds and thousands of people. So, uh, what I want to do in the future is to um, 
be a brand which people can relate to be somebody that you know okay if we are if you're seeing her okay this can be our like an inspirational story as well so yeah ceo of my own company where i want to uh, have a strategic partnership or like a physicianpreneur kind of concept like from us mm-hmm. to gulf countries and you know connecting the dots and bringing all the people because it's a global village uh, particularly in the clinical trial side and i think i have done enough i've touched like every aspect of clinical trials arena whether it's uh, operations development um compliance um from the scientific perspective from the biostatistics perspective i have built smaller to bigger size programs and medical affairs so i think i think i really want to take the great concept where i have started my journey here from united states to now give it back to the entire world but of course as an american uh, i feel like you know we should be sharing that knowledge and information but also bringing everybody uh, in a strategic partnership whether it's business whether it's like you know any other uh, collaborative partnership across the globe particularly in the gulf countries i would be more interested in yeah no no amazing and it's such a important uh responsibility um that impact um before i let you go uh, and thank you so much for all the amazing information and i know your thoughts when dr huma kamar is no longer in this physical world what type of legacy does she want to leave behind yeah if i'm no longer in this uh, physical world or uh, i think uh, i would like people to always uh, follow uh my inspirational journey and never give up i mean and as a woman uh where you are surrounded surrounded by so many strong men and you think that the you cannot do that because you are women or you're a girl or you're coming from another part of the world where you don't know how to speak that great english where you do not know how to order a starbucks coffee which is complicated actually still now but yeah. you know if you <laughs> want agree. to do that and if you if you don't know how to operate a macintosh you n- never be scared just take the risks and just fly and you know i think i just want them to always remember that if i can do it they can definitely do it because i came from that part of the world where i survived 550 bombs and still made it um safe wow. to united states and very secular and very secular mindset give it back just love everybody and uh, be sincere and believe in yourself yeah be sincere and believe in yourself it sounds it sounds so simple but it but it's not it's really it's really not um it, it's you know if you have the heart and and you have the why which you do right your why is stronger than anything before you which is why you're so amazing and so inspirational dr huma kamar thank you so much for for coming on the show we we appreciate it i know we're going to have you back because you have so many amazing things uh to say and the vip show will always be a home for you to to share those things if people want to talk with you they want to learn from you uh where can people find you I think Twitter and LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Twitter I'm really active and LinkedIn so if they want to reach out to me that's my first name Huma and last name Kumar Q A M A R and then I like to respond to majority of the people as much as I can if they have anything I will be there to help and support them. Boom. I love it. Dr. Huma Kumar, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you Jose. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Boom.